I wake up going, ah, Magneto. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark four, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Body Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is someone who is very professional, but also can be pretty casual at times. And I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. They have a network. It's the one and only Tim from the Professional Casual Network. What's happening, my guy? Not too much, dude. I'm very happy to be here. How are you? Man, I am fantastic. I'm really glad to have you on the podcast today. I feel like this has been a long time coming, and it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like there was like this little circle that was danced around for like a second, and then we met at NashCon, which I'll definitely want to talk about that in a second. And then since then, it's just been like, I've been following you guys, and you know, y'all mention every once in a while the the when I'm popping the chat or something the house party protocol will and it's just like good to see you good to talk to you and all that stuff and so yeah 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 you're very legitimately one of my favorite people to run into in the wild like when we met at NashCon I was like oh uh, it's that will like <laughs> so yeah yeah and it's it's crazy because when we when we first met I think it was when we played at NashCon right. So we met the night before, right. very briefly. That's you right. were playing um, Dice Throne with, yes. I think, Merzane and Tim Simpson. And uh, you introduced yourself, and I had never, I didn't know what you looked like. And I was like, oh, you're that one. Okay. All right, cool. And I was like, I was a little shy about it. But then, yeah, we met up in the, uh, the singles event. Yes. Yeah. And I, I remember that match pretty decently. You were playing x-force and it was what was it the bottom 10 list the power bottom 10 yep <laughs> yeah the power bottom 10 and i of course was playing convocation because you know i i think at this point there's something out there that has cast a spell on me with those models i don't know what it is because i just i can't quit them can't um quit every time I, I i happen to run a convocation uh squad or, or roster i'm like wow i really want to play a lot more wizards i really like them I get my teeth kicked in, but I really like them. Yeah, it, it's so weird because that's, that's the experience that a lot of people have. It's like they look at them, it's daunting, and I get it. They are, I think, one of the most complicated things, I think, in the game just because there's so many little, little things. But either way, the match at NashCon, we were playing on Demons, and I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the extract, though. We could probably look it up, but... It, it doesn't matter, but I just remember that match being so much fun and your dice being so bad. <laughs> it was just, you know, Cable couldn't incinerate anybody to save his life. I mean, that's that's been the story effectively with my relationship with Cable is I need him to do just one thing. He's only there sometimes to throw and to teleport and all that good stuff, but I just want to incinerate on people. And it's it's just, it's a really abusive relationship. He just won't give me the one thing I constantly ask for. Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. You know, Cable giveth and he taketh away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also remember at NashCon, 
being able to do some commentary with you, which I got to say was the highlight of my con other than, you know, ice cream sandwiches, but that's a whole thing. Um, For real. (laughs) And it was a lot of fun. And I get why you enjoy it so much and and why you and the crew do what you do, because it's really a blast to do that. Yeah, it really is. And we maybe uh, approach it a little differently than I think a lot of uh, streamcasters or shoutcasters, um, where it certainly ratchets up the casual side quite a bit, <laughs> but it's always super fun. But it's got to be if you're not yes. going to if you're not going to get the opportunity to play at a lot of these uh, conventions and tournaments and stuff, you got you got to be having fun on the sidelines, too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you have not already and you're listening to this Make sure to go subscribe to the YouTubes and all that stuff. There will be a link in the description to the Professional Casual Network. And I, I've subscribed a while back. I think I actually give you guys my Prime subscription. I can't remember. I, it's it's one of those things, you know. But uh, right. it's it's really great. And I try to, to catch as many streams as I can. And especially at like the big conventions and stuff. Y- y'all are, are just the unsung heroes of that, I feel like, w- with the coverage that y'all provide. And everything and and you know i hope amg's paying you <laughs> to do that you know because like you know like you said you're not getting to play right yeah it's uh it, I'll, I'll be honest it's an expense right to, <laughs> yeah. to go to all these things but we're we're very fortunate that uh we we get a lot of support from from the community and from patreon um to be able to to be at those things and constantly be shipping equipment and uh replacing failing equipment but yeah, no, we are we are very fortunate uh, that the community really lifts us up. But no, AMG doesn't pay us. Oh well, well darn. I mean, maybe one day, right? Maybe one day. That's the dream. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a very meandering show today for the suits out there. It, it's it's jam packed in a lot of like I've got to make a little bit of a correction from the last episode. We're going to talk about some characters. There's going to be some show questions. And we're just going to be doing the BS and and hoping that whilst recording, we catch a spoiler for something. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of hoping for some new cards or at the very least, we get MODOX Team Tactics cards, MODOX Scientist Supreme. Yes. We hadn't gotten those yet. Listen, I, I, I want a, I want a scalpel of science, a tactics card, right? That's going to give him a scalpel of a strange, but as a tactics card. I mean, if Refresh, it's only... refreshes every round, just like books of Shumago Wrath. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's off the rails. I was going to say, if it's only once per game, then sure, we can have that. Otherwise, this is only Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> only for the good doctor, as they say. But that would be really good because we know there are some tactics cards that have been revealed from that box in Gamma Drain and One Below All, which I think are pretty solid Immortal Hulk cards. So Yeah, they fit the narrative pretty pretty heavily. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to see if Modoc Scientist Supreme has something similar because I feel like, Tim, that the discourse around both of these characters, when they first released, it was kind of like, ooh, hot fire, you know, and, and like, let's talk about it. But I feel like that there's been a lot of, like, overlooking of these two characters and i don't know if that's because they aren't on the table yet and we haven't had our hands on them or anything like that or if everybody just feels like a little lukewarm on them what's your impression i think like i i 
uh, 100% completely agree there. And I think it might be just kind of that hype train where when those two got revealed, then we got a bunch of Shatterpoint announcements. And then there was all of the Adepticon stuff and Squirrel Girl and Gwenpool. So I think they just kind of got overshadowed because there was so much news kind of right on the tail of them coming out Mm -hmm. where it was was one of those things like before we started recording today, I was like, wait, have we not gotten? things yet i thought we got everything from that so far but no i, I think some of it just kind of got overshadowed by this uh hype train of uh new x people and and shatterpoint yes it, it is definitely the hype train did you get your shatterpoint demo in at the con at all i did well it wasn't like me directly taylor got one and i was just kind of like peering from the corner they were like listen as long as you don't get in the way you could be here <laughs> i was like okay okay i'll just i won't talk i won't breathe i'm so sorry um but uh it was uh yeah it was it was dope yeah, it was pretty dope indeed. And I think that's like the phrase of the con, by the way. <laughs> it's, I don't know it what really it was. was. It, it took over my words a lot. I was like, oh, this is dope all the time. Way too much. But whatever, I don't care. Well, and it's for, for us, it was, it's been this uh, joke for a while where, uh, forget what character it was that came out, Jean Grey or something like that, I think, like way, way, way back when. Mm-hmm. Chuck in like one of our group chats was like, yo, Psylocke looks dope. So ever since then, whenever a new character comes out, that's not Psylocke. He just responds with, oh, Psylocke looks, Psylocke looks dope. <laughs> so now that we actually have Psylocke and she's on the table, it's like catapulted back into our lexicon. And it's like every, I don't think I go a few sentences without saying it. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, it's a good word. So there you go. It's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. <laughs> Well, I could already tell you our secret code word for the giveaway that we're doing for Immortal Hulk and Scientist Supreme Modoc. It's going to be dope because it just has to be at this point. So, anywho, with these characters, do you feel like that when you read these cards and, and you see what they do, do you feel like they're just a little too one note? Is, is that why they aren't exciting? like the other stuff and and i think you're right in that there was so much other stuff that has been announced and and revealed and all of that stuff that i think it definitely took some of the star that was burning bright that was the immortal hulk specifically and modok that i I just wonder if there's something that we're reading on this card because i was actually reading immortal hulk's card last night because i was like one i love the model two i think he's pretty good but like, he's he's just kind of there. I don't like he's gonna never die. Maybe, but like, is he? Is that it? Well, and and, and so I think I think you're onto something there. Where, um, he is different for the most part from OG Hulk, but not incredibly so. We've seen recently in a lot of high level play, right? That Helios is just it was made and designed to take Hulks off the table. Yeah, um, and it can't. In this particular situation, granted he's one more threat, but when you when you look at that, especially for a newer player, as to why you would maybe take a Mortal Hulk over a regular Hulk, you know, I'll be honest, there isn't a lot of like razzle dazzle there outside of a bunch of text about how he can't, in fact, uh, be KO'd, um, or at least easily. So I think with the tall meta right now, it's going to be very difficult for people to unseat kind of their their Hulks, their Juggernauts. Uh, to a lesser extent, maybe like a Rhino, 
um, to put in an Immortal Hulk at a higher point value because it just there's not as much different about him, I think, to really capture that like excitement of like, oh, now I can do this because Immortal Hulk is coming out. I don't think that feeling is there. Like yeah. um, Squirrel Girl has or, or Gwenpool, I'm assuming, will probably have where it's just like, well, I can, I can do this now and I can do that. And Immortal Hulk just doesn't capture that that feeling to me, at least. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to look at it is the the new flavor other than the immortality thing. Everything else on this card we've more or less seen in some capacity or not. And, you know, we could talk about the different costs and all that stuff on this thing, like, you know, his throw being three instead of two and six threat hulks is two and gamma burst costing five and you get the throw before damage is dealt. So it's not quite like a Hulk smash. It's a little more expensive than a Hulk smash, and and the biggest difference is that the character's not going to get power. So, like, you know, dice, sure, but, like, you know, Hulk, OG Hulk could get more dice, ultimately, than Immortal Hulk can. But it, there, there's a lot of, I think, conversations around Immortal Hulk that we could have, and maybe we should have. But one of the things that you mentioned that I want to focus on for just a second is Helios and the big boy meta. And... For those of you that might not know, the big boy meta means basically just taking a lot of chonky, higher threat characters and putting them on the board and hoping that they don't die, hoping that you're able to mitigate dice in some way and and keep them alive. I know in the final, as an example, at Adepticon, I think it was Star-Lord, Thanos, Beta Ray Bill on Pat's side. Which Star Lord isn't very chunky, but like Beta Ray Bill is pretty tanky. He can be, and then obviously Thanos just straight gets to cancel out a result. So that's a thing that exists. And yeah. then uh, I think bots had Malekith, Red Skull, Hydra, and what else? Lockjaw. Lockjaw. Right. So again, one weak link in the tanky situation, but overall it's a can you answer the high threat question? And I don't know if Immortal Hulk really brings a big question to the tabletop other than do you have Helios and do you save it for when he's got his immortality token? Right. I mean, it, that that to me is the question because other than that, I don't... I know. I know, again... That the discourse around this character has been, oh yeah, he'll probably die way easier. But I read this card, and it's—I don't think he's going to die as easy as people think. I don't think so either, and it's going to make new counter picks as well. So while I don't necessarily think Immortal Hulk is like a, a giant, brand new, shiny new toy that I'm excited to show off, I do think that we will see a lot of really interesting squad and roster construction built around preventing him from gaining power or taking power off of him. Yes. So seeing things like Sucker or Sap or um, he's immune to stun, but um, Hulkbuster, very specifically, uh, his spender now um, giving power for the damage dealt. I think yes. we'll see a lot of things like that that will play heavily around removing the ability to gain power or just straight up removing power uh, from a mortal Hulk. And I think that's where the interesting stuff will, will come into play. And I do think there's interesting stuff there. Um, it's just, it's... 
I think it's a higher level of play maybe than kind of the, the broader base um, because yeah. you're going to be specifically working around those mechanics versus just getting up there and punching people and smashing them in the face and then throwing everyone off the point at the end of the round. Yeah, and, and that's... But you, you can still do that, though, too. Yeah, easy. Yeah, that's the thing. And a, a wild trigger on seven dice on his smash attack, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to make sure to roll all blanks on that. But, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think it's just one of those things where I just... I like this character, and I like this model in such a way as, like, if I want a character that I feel like is just not... I can probably make it not die as long as I'm not a complete goober. You know, we can see what what's up. I do think that this Hulk here is a very interesting one in that I think with the OG Hulk, there's a lot of arguments to be made for if he's in a bad position, you activate him early, get the most out of him, and like let's say he's he's got some damage on him, stuff like that. I think Immortal Hulk's a bit different where... You can hold his activation and hope that you can get the heals on him and and get a little extra stuff on him to try to keep him around a little longer as long as he's not in negative positions and stuff like that. I just think that it's going to change the the activation priorities and stuff like that for you as a player. But it, it's a model that it comes out next week, and I'm really stoked to get on the tabletop and see kind of how he really performs and not only that but see where he's affiliated right yeah i think that that'll probably be a pretty big part of it i mean a hulk and cabal or something <laughs> like that and i and canonically i don't really know where immortal hulk <laughs> allegiances lie um outside of you know him being a demon but <laughs> yeah I'm i'm interested to see where he actually ends up yeah, because I think that that's really going to change the narrative around this character is where he slots in. So, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, excited, excited that he's going to be in Brotherhood, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, let's just not, because I still have nightmares about Brotherhood. Did, did I tell you before I played that game at Adepticon, like, I, I was practicing against Brotherhood. I was like, the one thing I just, I have not figured out with my convocation is Brotherhood. And, and there you go, right off the rip. Right. I, well, and uh, D- uh, Dr. D, uh, Dylan Dyer, who does a lot of stuff uh, for our network, uh, also a huge convocation player. Uh, you can't say the word brotherhood in chat when he's on or he will just <laughs> melt down. Um, so I, I get it. Yes. I get it. Yes, it is. It is the bane of my existence. I wake up going, ah, Magneto, in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. One more throws. Size four dough. <laughs> Where's my brace? Uh, yeah, so, anyways, anyways, so, now I want to talk about MODOK for another second, and, and if you are interested in hearing, like, a full character breakdown, we did that a few episodes back, so go check that out if you're interested. This is more just a, like, bringing up the conversation around these characters again, because I, I just feel like that they have been overlooked with all the reveals, and I just feel also like that there's something there. I think that May, I think more so with Hulk than Modok personally, but I think these characters are interesting and going to be fun on the tabletop. And and yeah, I just wanted to rehash a little bit of discussion around them. And Modok specifically is one four threat version of Modok on that big base. And like I feel like this version of Modok was built for convocation. 
<laughs> so I don't disagree, right? He loves Ironbound books with that huge uh, Mystic defense. Um, personally, I'm super excited about this Modoc. Yeah, uh, why? I have be I have been working with a list that is just straight up built around everyone having rerolls and uh, Sentinel Prime being in the dead center of the field, giving everyone more rerolls. Because uh, I'm a poor roller, right? Oh yeah. So I I want to be able to turn all those blanks into skulls, so then I can't use cover afterwards either. So Modok being a li- this Modok being a little bit cheaper, offering me those rerolls, um, I'm actually super into. Uh, so I have an immediate home for him as soon as he comes out. Nice, nice. I like that. And Sentinel Prime pa- passing out little reroll cookies makes me so happy. And I, I did the same thing for a while. I took. Uh, Sentinel Prime in my convocation list up to Warfare Weekend last year, and it was exactly the, like you said. I roll poorly. I want rerolls. So, it, yeah. Uh, last night on stream, I was uh, we were playing ambush tokens. Um, I'm on the ambush. I get attacked. I roll a skull, a blank, and a hit. I'm like, okay, well, one of these gonna is gonna convert with cover, but do I reroll two? To try to assume maybe one of them will will be a, a block, and then I'll I'll apply the cover, and I rerolled them both into skulls and didn't get the cover. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, rerolls are rerolls are fickle. You did not reroll them both into skulls. I caught a little bit of the stream, but I didn't catch that. That's great. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Oh boy, that's that one hurt, and that was on my Sentinel Prime. Who then yeah. took eight damage round one from Angela? <laughs> Didn't block anything on a dodge, and uh, yeah, took a took a Zyphos to the face. Yeah, yeah, that Zyphos, you know, it gets me every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man, Sentinels, like there, there's a thing that I just have frustrations with, but that's that's a whole other podcast. So, yeah, I I think that being able to have those re rolls, being able to do that stuff right there, and hopefully not roll into skulls is great. And I like how this Modoc plays into the character of Modok a little more with like his greediness and stuff where, okay, somebody else can spend the power and he gets the rerolls. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of cool actually. And I don't know exactly what I would set up to fuel that, but like, are there any characters that you can think of that would kind of have power for days a lot of times that they don't really need it for? So, and that's, um, so great question. So that's kind of the one thing that I've been working on with that particular reroll roster is Heimdall, honestly enough, usually seems to be the one that has the extra power. Because, I mean, normally holding a back line or he's just contesting something and then maybe uh, punching someone every now and then. But really, he's just there as power generation and additional rerolls. But with Sentinel Prime having a longer range on his rerolls, I end up using Sentinel Prime a lot, so Heimdall just usually kind of stacks up that power. So as long nice. as he's within range three, effectively being able to provide all sorts of rerolls uh, to Modok, uh, when I try for that incinerate and roll five blanks, uh, I'll be able to get all five of those rerolls between All in This World Are Beneath Me and Heimdall's own rerolls. Yeah, no, Assuming I like he has that. that much power. I didn't think of Heimdall. Like, that's pretty cool. That's that's one that I would not have thought because when I think of Heimdall, I think of, oh, you know, you want to get that three power as much as possible, especially on someone like Modok, who's a short mover and he wants to to get up in there and and get a little get a little closer and being able to teleport and all that stuff. But I like that. I think that's really interesting. 
for me, I was thinking of characters like maybe a Mystique who, while Mystique is good and she can use her power in different ways, once once she's got some power, she doesn't always have ways to dump that power. Like using an action to blow something up, like if something has two health, absolutely. If it doesn't have the two health, then it kind of gets a little murky on whether or not to use her her blow up thing i don't remember the name of the yeah. superpower because it costs an action but i think it's expert sabotage that's it expert sabotage yeah and her spenders espionage that's right yeah so being able to blow something up is really good but i think a character like mystique and i'm sure that modok is in cabal this modok is in cabal so like right. pairing them together could be pretty interesting or even putting him in criminal syndicate, adding her into a criminal syndicate, having that power, having a rhino to be nearby as well. All this world beneath me. And then also genius requires sacrifice being able to say, okay, cool. Well, you're going to attack rhino now and, yeah. and cool. Like, I think that's fun. Yeah. I, I actually really like that a lot. Um, Crimson dynamo is another one that, um, Granted, you're also using his power for rerolls, but um, being able to take a hit for somebody with uh, you know some decent defense, I use him in the reroll list anyway, and he has the uh, the armor for some damage reduction. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Any anytime you can can find those little synergies like that, like I don't know, it's one of those things. I don't know if it's gonna be good, but I know you're, it's gonna yeah. be fun. <laughs> yeah, don't take anything I, I I say home and be like, wow, this is gonna work out for me. It probably won't because it doesn't work out for me either. Yeah, but it'll be fun, and that's that's what matters, you know? Correct. That's why we do it. But I, I think Mystique is a great option, though, as far as someone that doesn't really have a ton of ways to, like, use their power, and she's, you know, very realistically, is usually being used to target someone like MODOK or Emma Frost. Um, and I found out last night, Mystique is incredibly great against Emma. Um, Emma having only the two physical defense, potentially getting four attacks off into her, and she can't shift to her diamond form on mystique's activation uh mystique can really kind of chew through her pretty quickly um and if you're doing that if you're rapid firing twice every turn you are getting that hit you're getting four power you're going to have power to spend and i do think that she's a great partner for modok yeah absolutely and the fact that emma can't use diamond form when it's just like oof big yeah, oof. that hurt yeah that hurt a lot actually i could see how it would and uh <laughs> it's like, and it's one of those things where I've played enough against Mystique and played with Mystique plenty. And when the random times where she just pops off and it's like, okay, cool. Well, I've got three successes and I get a rapid fire. Cool. Another three successes. And then I'm okay. I'm going to do it again. Oh, look, I spike rolled. And now I have five successes and I get to do this attack again. And it's yeah. just, what are you doing to me, girl? <laughs> it, you know, it's the, it's the, the fun stuff like that, that, uh, Makes it really great. Oh, and by the way, then she moves you closer to the rest of her team for you to just get deleted. Oh, just, yeah, just get piled on. And, <laughs> you know, kind of another thing for uh, for Monarch to help with that incinerate on a wild on his builder. I mean, just makes those rapid fires even stronger. It sure does. Yeah, man, I like that mystique combo there. That's and that's pretty fun. Like and it's another one where, OK, genius requires sacrifice after deception is popped. Mystique could be a target for that to be like okay cool just attack mystique that's that's okay i use deception with, 
yeah, with martial artists or something like that, too. They're right up in your face. She's going to get blanks on those. And, you know, depending on how many other rerolls you have access to on your particular squad, that uh, can be pretty good. Yeah. No, I'm here for Who it. Who cares and... about Pierce when you have martial artists? Uh, exactly. Dude, <laughs> I said that, I think, in a game recently. I was like, well, I'm going to pierce that, but she's still going to count it as a, as a success anyways. It's just right? cool. Like, that's why I think, you know, characters like Daredevil, especially OG Daredevil, are, are much maligned. But against certain squads, they're pretty good. Like Daredevil yeah. against the Weapon X, I think could be pretty mm-hmm. legit. Just being like, okay, cool. I'm gonna you're gonna pierce it, but guess what? I still yeah, do it. I dare you. <laughs> I double dare you. <laughs> and oh. I think we did. I think we had to look this up for a stream once. Is Pierce a must? Uh, let me find out. I'm because I think it is. I think it is. I, I want to say I think it was too, yes. but maybe that's what I thought, and then we found out that that wasn't the case. But in those situations where you've rolled a couple blanks and then like a hit or something, yep, and you get more defenses out of it, is is uh, is doper McGoper's. It is so wild Pierce, and this is on Logan the Wolverine with, and it's you know it's got the wild Pierce on his X slash, and then it doesn't say May, it just says change one of the defending characters crits wilds or blocks to a blank. So I read that as it's a must. Okay, so I guess it, I guess it can't net you more because it's it's already turning a success into a block. But there are characters like Squirrel Girl, right, that if tippy toes on you and you no longer count crits in your successes, then that could potentially net you one. Yeah, uh, it's it's just uh, it's one of those things where I find it interesting. You know what I mean? And and that's I guess the theme of today's show is that's the name of this episode. I guess is the interesting show. Uh, <laughs> um, interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, let's see what we can do here. So, to to finish it off with Modok, Scientist Supreme, like it's one of those characters where I feel like once he releases, I think of the two, he's the le- least interesting of the two at face value. But I do think that there's going to be some play there for him, and I'm excited to see kind of where he pops up and when he pops up. So I, I'm not, I could be completely wrong on this, but I think at least uh, as far as uh, our local play group and the people that we interact with, uh, the, re- the reveal of Rhino was a little lackluster. They're like, oh, he doesn't have a spender. Yeah, he, he's pretty movable, but granted this was before we saw the tactics cards. Right. Um, and now we see Rhino everywhere, absolutely everywhere, because, yeah, you know what? He is, in fact somewhat of a cheaper juggernaut but that means you can put them in more places i think we might see something similar with modok scientist supreme because he's a little bit more cost efficient um he has a bunch of mechanics he's another cabal leader um or i'm sorry yeah criminal syndicate leader sorry um i i do think we'll actually probably see him out there quite a bit once again hot take could be completely wrong there but I think we're going to see Modoc Scientist Supreme more often in play than we are going to see a Mortal Hulk for sure, but just kind of higher than I think most people are anticipating. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a fair point because four threat versus seven threat right there. Right. You know, and, and that, that does make a difference. And you mentioned the criminal syndicate leadership thing, and I don't know how much you've messed around with versatile strategy or not, but like... There's a legit argument to have Shadowlands, Kingpin, and Modok, all three in your roster, and then yep. 
potentially that you could do it. I don't know if it would be good, but potentially you could have all three on the tabletop and then say, okay, cool. At moment X, I'm switching up leaderships and now you got to deal with Modoc, or now you've got to deal with Kingpin or now you got to deal with Shadowlands. Well, and I, I think that's actually, I think it, it's a really good fit for them, especially with Kingpin where, you know, you kind of lose some of that effic- efficacy after characters start to get injured uh, to then switch to versatile strategy and have kind of a new uh, affiliation ability online, especially as yours starts to kind of lose a lot of its luster. Um, I, I, I don't hate that at all. I think that's going to be a great spot for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And the leadership, I think, is one where when leveraged correctly, like you mentioned, switching from Kingpin into a MODOK type leadership, I think that could be really interesting because, yeah, okay, you have to roll a wild in order to get the leadership to work in the first place. But I feel like at that point in the game, you'll be already contesting objectives. And let's not forget, this says if holding or contesting an objective token, if there's an extract on the ground and you're within one of it, you're contesting it. Wait, really? Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. So if you're just within range of a hammer, you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it's on the ground, if an extract is on the ground and like, you know, there's those times when you don't have enough power or you're, mm-hmm. you're whatever, or for whatever reason. you carry one senator or, yeah. Yeah. You can only carry one. So you leave it on the ground. If you're within range one of an extract token, you are contesting it. So you would get this leadership even if an extract token's on the ground. And I know that's corner case, but like you just found that out and somebody out there is going to be like, just mind blown, you know? So completely agree. Okay. So it's just one of those things where I think leveraging that switch could be interesting. And we've had versatile strategy in the game for a while now. And I know that like Merzane was trying to figure out a way to get it to work with Avengers and, there's been enough conversation around it, I think, but I feel like with having three leaders and having three unique and interesting and different leaders like criminal syndicates about to have, I think the conversation around versatile strategy can pop back up. And I don't know how you do with your roster building, but for me, there's always like that 10th card, right? Like that card that I'm just like, okay, well, generically fallback is good or recalibration matrix is good which uh, shout out to recalibration matrix for literally winning pat adepticon (laughs) (laughs) like it literally won him adepticon it's a great card but at the same time you're not likely to play it every game or just just insert generic card there's always like that card at the end of your thing where you're just like okay i guess i'm gonna just put this in and having a versatile strategy card as that 10th card with Modoc Scientist Supreme maybe being your 10th character in a criminal syndicate roster. I don't know if that's something, but it might be nothing. It might not be nothing. That's, that's the way I want to say that it might not be nothing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean that it's not a, uh, for that 10th card, right? You're normally just like, like you said, just kind of throwing something in there. It's like, eh, maybe I'll use it. Maybe I won't, but being able to kind of have a little bit of a, you know, a combo there, um, to really kind of make everything else bleed together a little bit better. I, I, don't, I don't hate it at all. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that one of the things it does for the game as a whole is it creates that diversity of list building and of what you might see on the tabletop and just more stuff. And, and I think that that's really the best possible thing for this game. 
And something that I think AMG has done great is giving us so many different tools to have different stuff and play the way we want to play. Like I can sit here and wax poetic about what I think is competitive or whatever, but at the end of the day, you can take anything to any event and have a good time and potentially be successful if the dice rolls work out. So, yeah. Yep. You know. And, and an affiliation ability like uh, advanced idea mechanics can sometimes help uh, your rolls be better. It sure can. And Lord knows I, I need those to be, be better. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's the thing I'm excited for is when I'm once again now fishing on another character for that wild incinerate on their builder. Uh, that it means even more than I'm not getting it now. It does. Yeah. So you're going to feel extra bad when mm -hmm. you're like, all right, Modoc, let's get this wild. I don't really care if you have any other successes. Let's just get this wild. And then no. Well, and oddly enough, too, uh, on um, his spender, uh, as we were talking about Immortal Hulk earlier, being able, oh, never mind. No, never mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, he does have stun before damage is dealt, too, but Immortal Hulk's immune to stun, so it doesn't matter. But. Yeah. Uh, listen, power power efficiency and, and preventing your opponent's power efficiency is really is really dope. Yeah, and look, it might not happen for Mortal Hulk, but being able to stun before damage is dealt on Modox Spender here is super great. Yep. Super great. And that way it's like, okay, cool, I popped off on this roll, and guess what? You're getting one power. Congratulations. Well, really, and for a spender too, and then you're moving him away too. Like it's just a, it's I I uh I appreciate his uh his spender. Yeah, me too. A little expensive, but not super expensive. He he does want to be spending power literally all over the place. So, yeah, and but I don't hate it. I, I don't hate it either, at all either. And I think it's interesting in that if you think about kind of the the flow of a game, right? Usually by the time you have the four power that you're gonna want to do this, and you know he's got enough that he can spend his power on where he might not be having access to psionic assault early. But if let's say let's say you're saving up for it you probably aren't going to use this till round two or three. And at the point when you do use it, you could use it in the fact of like, okay, cool. Beta Ray Bill just spent all of his power to do a thing, whether that's yep. a God Hunter into a throw and whatever. He just, it's just doesn't matter. Right. And I'm using Beta Ray Bill as an example, and it's a bad example because he's going to advance back with honor bound, but whatever. Beta Ray Bill just used all his power. <laughs> Sure. And and now, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to take this opportunity to try to disorient you and and stun you. And now Beta Ray Bill is the saddest bill that ever Beta Rayed. Right? That, that's what everyone says. Yes, yes. I can confirm a stun on Beta Ray Bill is the worst thing ever. Let me make sure he's not immune to it because then I'll feel like an idiot. Yes. You're, you're in good company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm over here like, oh, frantically typing beta. Yeah, okay, cool. He's immune to poison, incinerate, and bleed. I knew he had a ton of immunities. So, yeah. The point stands, and I think it makes perfect sense. So, yeah. yep. One hondo. Yes. So now I do need to go and uh, make a correction from the last episode I did. So at the point when uh, Lexa and I were reviewing squirrel girl's card we couldn't fully see the injured side of the character and so we kind of made some assumptions and we said oh well whenever we get that we'll talk about it that kind of thing so guess what as soon as that podcast was recorded we got the injured side so 
of course it works that way. I mean, we, we find it a, a lot as well when we do the, the show on Thursday nights. It's like, oh, a Friday, first thing in the morning. All right, there. Okay, cool. All right, yep, there it is. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's just, I think it's, they plan on it. They're like, okay, so I'm pretty sure they record on this day and they release it on that day. So let's just make sure to drop it right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think they have any idea what's going on with the community in that way. But uh, yeah, speaking of, it was really cool, like meeting Schick and Pagani and Dallas in person. Like those guys are super cool, down to earth people. And uh, yeah, if you have an opportunity to meet them at a con or something like that, highly recommend super cool people. So yeah, Squirrel Girl, let's talk about this. So on her injured side, she goes from six to five stamina. So she goes to one less stamina value, the knuckle spike strike, an army of squirrels, and tippy-toe takedown are all the same. Now, the biggest difference here is she gains a superpower and loses a superpower. So she loses tippy come back, which cost her zero power. It was reactive. And when she was targeted by an attack, she can move tippy-toe to her from anywhere. So she loses that. So if you've used the tippy-toe takedown, it's, there's too many T's. There's too much alliteration. It's freaking me out. Yeah, the alliteration is really top notch. It is. I, I first of all, I love good alliteration, but at the same time, it's like this is just I'm my tongue is getting worn out over here. <laughs> Somebody out there is laughing for another reason at that one. <laughs> so, anyways, anyways, so if you use the tippy toe takedown to take the token. <laughs> and put it on another character, you won't be able to call it back for free while you're on your injured side. However, she gains an innate superpower, which I'm really glad this is innate because you mentioned Mystique earlier and just wrecking people's days. and How, how awful would that be, yeah. Yeah, so it's an innate superpower, Guardian Squirrel. When this character would be KO'd by an enemy effect, if it has the tippy-toe token, remove the token, from the game. This character removes one damage, is not KO'd, may be placed within range two of its current position. Then this character cannot have tippy toe tokens for the rest of the game. It's gonna feel real bad when you get that off and then die to bleed at the end of your activation anyway. <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> Oh, that'd be so terrible. Like, you're like, okay, cool. Let me just get, get bled to death over here. My squirrel took the brunt of it for me. It's a little bit. It got me. You got me. Got me good. So, Tim, let me ask you. That's, that's, by the way, those are the only things that change. But I feel like that's a really huge change for this character on the injured side. And how do you feel that this changes how you might play with Squirrel Girl? So, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where when I see a squirrel girl on the other side of the table, uh, I kind of just want to get her injured as soon as possible. I don't want to be dealing with that tippy-toe takedown. I really want to put that decision on my opponent to to really have to commit when they're going to put that on somebody. Because uh, not being able to count um, crit results of successes stinks, like, oh, real bad. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh and not even just not exploding, but just they're not successes anymore. Uh, yeah, that's 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 harmful. And uh, removing the ability for her to just kind of take that back whenever she wants, 
especially before an attack comes in, uh, I think is uh, is important to work uh, around with her as an opponent. Playing Squirrel Girl, uh, I'm terrified of that. I don't want to have to make that decision because uh, it will be wrong, and then I will get a dump truck in the face and be unable to uh, to recover from it. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting play style um, for her. I think it fits narratively very well, um, and really at the end of the day, I, it's it's a unique um, mechanic, right? For a very unique character that uh, that really, I think people are going to choose or not choose Squirrel Girl based off of that Guardian Squirrel. I think some yeah. people will be like, ah, if she gets injured, she's useless to me, so I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, I- I'm really curious to see how people respond to her once she's uh, out and on the table. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it, is once she gets injured, she's useless to me kind of idea, because I do agree that I think that's what people are going to think, but if you think about Guardian Squirrel as functionally exceptional healing... Or Odin's blessing. Mm-hmm. It's functionally that, based on game state and stuff like that. But like you get to place within two. So if you're not base to base with Squirrel Girl when you take her down, then potentially she could get out of range. And that's not to mention whatever leadership she's in. Like I don't necessarily think I'm gonna. I might put her in convocation. Let's say I play her in my convocation. Okay, so she's placing within two. She took that damage. Then she's going to place again from the leadership. So that's another range one place. That's pretty good distance. And It really is. Okay, cool. Guardian squirrel gone. But now I feel like then you can just kind of throw caution to the wind and like, all right, cool. Let's just beat people up or whatever. And it's interesting that the, the tippy toe token fully goes away. I mean, it makes sense. Makes sense. But absorbing attacks and absorbing that activation from another character, I mean, shoot, let's just say a Malekith came in to Squirrel Girl. I'll take yeah. that trade. Mm-hmm. You know? like, And that's that's just one example. Like, Even if it's not a Malekith, even if it's a Logan, someone that's pretty violent and, and can do a good bit of damage, it's, I think, a generally a trade that I'd be willing to take Again, given the game state and stuff like that, but what you said about the making the decision points for your opponent and for yourself, that is what this character, I think, does almost better than any other character, at at least right now in this moment that I can think of off the top of my head of, okay, I send out Tippy Toe and and I got to hope that I get another power phase, like if I'm on my injured side, to get her back. Right. If you don't, well, then Squirrel Girl could die. And that's another thing is the tactical like choice of who you put Tippy Toe on. Like, I know when I did my review of this character, it was like, okay, well, you know, you want to save up as much power as possible and put on the biggest threat you can because Hulk really hates it. And it's like, yeah, Hulk hates it. But pretty much anybody's going to hate it. And whoever is the most threatening in that moment could be the one that needs to have tippy toe, take them down. Yeah, I completely agree. So I think that this just creates really interesting tactical decisions on such a fun and unique character, which I think is 
is pretty cool. I do also want to comment on what you said about how if I'm an opponent and there's a squirrel girl on the other side of the table, it is probably going to be to my best interest to daze that character as fast as possible and put as yep. much heat on that character as fast as possible because, what, like you said, I don't want to have a tippy-toe takedown on whatever character. Right. On, on, well, especially with the way that works, too, like as far as a, a counterplay to Malekith, um, it's my understanding, and, and I'm not super confident in this uh, particular <laughs> statement, but if Malekith turns Skulls into crits, Tippy-Toe Token also gets rid of those from the success pool, correct? Because they are being, in fact, treated as, yeah. So, I mean, when, when you have Malekith nervous about a four threat, yeah. Outside of Beta Ray Bill, I guess, yeah, there's actually maybe a lot of four threats that Malekith doesn't really like right, right, right now. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, I think she's very imposing. She is in that way, and and that's another thing. When she wakes up from being injured, there's a non-zero chance that you might have priority, and you could say, okay, cool, I've got ten power on Squirrel Girl. Here, Malekith, have this, and then run away. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily. Like a recipe for success, because then Malik is going to come hunt you down, and you don't have your guardian squirrel. But it's still valuable, I think. Yeah, he still has to hunt you down. He's still like, well, uh, now I got to go over here. Especially if you're playing on something like portals, where maybe you can get away, or you have a Modok, or I'm uh, sorry, not a Modok, but a, um, a Heimdall or something, or anyone yeah. that can really get someone out of dodge and to safety. I mean, you make that somewhat of an uphill battle to actually go all the way over there and deal with it or have someone in place to try to deal with it for you. And it's uh yeah, it's going to be a pain. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really... not quite the impactfulness that voodoo has, but it's still an incredibly high impact. And especially when you're considering maybe having both of those two characters on the same roster, uh, that could be problematic. Yeah. Yeah. It could be tough. And it's interesting that you mentioned voodoo because it's like, while these two characters share similarities in how the mechanic applies, it's way different in what it ends up doing. And while Voodoo is like going to help you more with points and stuff like that, obviously, I think that Squirrel Girl, though, is able to help with points in a different way where it's like, okay, my people are going to be able to stand on these points a little longer and stuff like that. And it's just, I think Squirrel Girl is, is one of the most interesting characters to be released in this game in a while. And there you go with interesting again, in that it just creates so many decision points for you as a player. And like even just to do her knuckle spike strike, if you roll that wild and you end up placing within range one of a character and you're on your injured side and you don't have your tippy toe, that's a recipe for disaster potentially. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But if you do have your tippy-toe, and you're like, okay, cool, come at me, bro. I'm going to stand over here. I'm going to punch you from range three. Now I'm standing here at this point, potentially. Okay, cool. Now I get to army of squirrels you. I can push you away. I'm going to be scoring. Oh, by the way, you're bled and stunned. Like, just, I think that really interesting things are going to happen with this character. And I'm going to be honest with you, Tim. I already have enough characters when they're on the tabletop that I prioritize murdering them. I don't need another one, but here we are. 
Well, and that's the thing too. Like when you think about that that kind of that exact mechanic that you just uh, described, like throwing the tippy toe token on there, knuckle spiking, getting on them, ambushing. You're right there. You then army of squirrels. You push them off. All relatively inexpensive. I mean, the the uh, the spender's not insane strength, but it's also uh, incredibly inexpensive. Uh, to get that push off, to get, and it just, it fits so narrative, narratively of Squirrel Girl just flying all over the place, removing your crits, making you bleed, making you stun, pushing you off of something that you felt like you had pretty uh, secure, and then just, you're just kind of left there being like, wait, what just happened? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and I, I think that fits so well. Oh, it does. It really does. And when we look at Army of Squirrels, let's not, not overlook the fact Okay, it's only six dice, so your wild push trigger is only about 66% of the time, give or take. So it's like basically Thor's throw, which we all know what that looks like on his builder. But, but, the amount of times that you're going to have that be successful, I think is going to be huge. And it's range four for only two power. That is cheap mm -hmm. and efficient. Yes, it is. So... I'm I'm super here for that and super here for Squirrel Girl overall and I just yeah I, I'm excited for what this character brings and I can't wait to see where she's affiliated and what what kind of uh, tactics cards we're gonna get with her because that's gonna be a whole thing too. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think and that'll be something that uh, I'm I'm super excited for to see what she comes with and Gwenpool um, just because uh, it, it's gonna be wild. Wild and very critical, I would say. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. So, not Tim, necessarily in that order, though. Yeah, definitely not in that order, but uh, I'll still take it nevertheless. Right. Yep. So, now let's pivot, as uh, Ross so affectionately said in Friends that one time, <laughs> to some show questions that we have hmm. from the Discord community, which if you're interested in becoming a part of our Discord community or or want to support the show in any kind of way, you can check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You can come and support the show, and it really mostly gets all put back into that. It's, it's all like the pay for hosting, pay for giveaways. I've, I've got some T-shirt designs coming up. Uh, we're going to get some custom dice made, and, and that's going to be a whole thing. So I'm excited for that. And uh, yeah, so if, if you're interested in supporting the show, come and check that out. Our, our community is really incredible. I love it very much, and I appreciate everyone over there that supports me in that way. And um, so we've got some, some questions from the Discord community here. And uh, yeah, so we're just going to start off with... Um, Baron kills. I don't know how to say that, but we're going to say it anyways. Uh, silly symbiote affiliation. Dang it. Yes. Just I'm super into that. Yeah, I'm here for personally. It. Yeah. Right. So let me ask you, Tim, who else would be included? Because we've got the two Venoms mm -hmm. and Carnage right now. So uh, I would like to see some Venomized characters. Um, so Gwenom is what my ghost spiders is painted as nice uh would love to see her as an additional um uh, gwen uh same with maybe oh i mean null is an obvious oh, one yeah. would love to see null maybe with a uh 
a symbiote dragon as a, as a grunter or something, or maybe like Malekith riding a giant uh, symbiote dragon. Um, Anti-Venom is another one. Would love to see uh, Eddie yeah. Brock as Anti-Venom. Uh, Riot and Toxin. Um, see, Toxin's Scream. the one I would want to see. So, like, Toxin is way up there for me uh, as for other symbiotes. Uh, I actually, I think I like Toxin probably the most out of all the other groupings like 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 shriek and um and riot and all them are like cool but i really think toxin kind of rises above kind of all those for me after like your kind of main couple yeah uh, yeah no i'm i'm very with you on that i think toxin's super cool and if you don't know who toxin is just google like marvel wiki toxin super cool symbiote and character and like yeah just highly recommend Checking out some toxin. I really love characters that obviously either look incredibly intimidating or um, evil. Some might say uh, that are just trying to do the good work out there. Yeah. Um, I think he takes the lethal protector thing a little bit more seriously, um, and I, I kind of <laughs> I dig that that dynamic. It's one of my favorite things about some runs of Deadpool is when he's really trying to just be a good guy, but it doesn't work out. Oh, I yeah. love those types of stories. Yes. Uh, so Toxin is usually way up there for me. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly who Toxin is as a character. Cause like he is one of the most menacing looking symbiotes that exists, but he's also like trying to be a good guy all the time. Yeah. Yep. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's wild. I love it. So that's one. That's our first question or statement, I guess. Rob says, how many months do the wills add each time someone asks about F4 slash Doom? Oddly enough, it is, in fact, four months. <laughs> Definitely four months, maybe even four years, honestly. Yeah, when know. you ask for both of them together, if you ask for just the Fantastic Four or Doom, it's four months. If you ask for them both at once, it is, in fact, four years. And they'll yeah. also release another four thread this year is the other caveat that they're adding onto it. Right. And that's only if you name drop both of them. Correct. Yep. <laughs> I, I am very excited for Doom. Uh, one of my favorite characters, a character that I completely ignored for like my first decade, probably even of reading comics. Uh, but then reading things like Secret Wars and uh, 1602 and things like that. I was like, yo, Doom's dope. Yeah, he is the dopest dope. That ever right? doped. And yeah, no. Sorcerer Dope Cream. <laughs> he really is. And it's so crazy because a lot of people, when you talk about Fantastic Four and Doom, you know, first family, they've been around forever. And and Doom got defeated by Squirrel Girl at one point. So, like, you know, it's but what they've done with Doom in the comics has been so great. And the Jonathan Hickman Fantastic Four run, if you have an opportunity, check it out because it's amazing. And if you don't have an opportunity to read it, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Comics Explained. Are you part of the Rob Corps? Yeah, yeah. Comics Explained, we love that dude. Yes. So he he went through and did Hickman's Fantastic Four run recently, and it's worth watching every episode of that because his hype for it is super real. And that's how I felt reading those comics and, and everything like, and doom is just such a badass in that it's, it makes me so happy. And then, like you said, with, with the secret wars. And then after that 
event happened when he was the infamous Iron Man. Yeah. You know, like I love all of that stuff. And Doom is a character that when they introduce him to this game, and I say when, because it's going to happen. And, and we're going we're gonna to reset the clock because it needs to happen now. And I'm going to start setting a timer. And every time, every episode, <laughs> it's getting reset again. Because I know Schick really loves it when we reset clocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a hot minute, but yeah, for sure. Yes. So anyways, the versions of Doom they could go with are, are so in, infinite and different. You know what I mean? You could have that infamous Iron Man version. You could have his God King Doom version, you know, where, where he's like, okay, Thanos, you don't have a spine anymore. That spine is mine, you know? <laughs> right. Like, spoiler alert, by the way, Doom, Doom uh, just makes Thanos look kind of like not Thanos. He, he doesn't reduce damage that much, apparently. Correct. <laughs> Such it can be to a minimum of zero, but, but yes, uh... Spine acquisition is actually very uh, unreducible. Unreducible, exactly. And, and then there's just like the, like I think like the base version of Doom would have like Doom bots. And I don't know about you, Tim, uh, grunt mechanics are not my favorite thing. However, Doom and Doom bots could be super cool. Or if nothing else, like a superpower that's kind of like the tippy toe thing on yeah. here where it's like on the injured side where it's guardian squirrel, except it's, Actually, I'm a Doom bot. You know what I mean? And it's it's like, oh, we just did all this stuff against Doom, and he's got one health left now, and here comes the real Doom to mess up your world. I used to really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that could be super cool. And then as it relates to the Fantastic Four, because those are characters that I love, is you want to talk about an affiliation that could rival Avengers for amount of characters that could be in it? It's the Fantastic Four, because there are so many characters that have had workings, dealings, or have been folded into the family that I think it could be really awesome. Like, there's a recent comic book run. I don't know if you've read any of the more recent Fantastic Fours, but, like, they're fighting this thing called Griever in outer space, and they're like, well, we need to get all of all the Fantastic Four to come in here. And, like, literally, so many characters from the Marvel Universe show up and start in this big, massive fight, and it's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, just off the top of my head, I know She-Hulk and Hulk and Wolverine, Spider-Man. Like, I mean, there's 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 a lot to pull from there. Yep, Ghost Rider. Yeah, <laughs> forgot <laughs> about Ghost Rider. Yeah, so many, so awesome, and I just, yeah, I'm. That's why I want them to be in this game so bad. Is one, I love the characters. I think there's really interesting things that they can do with three out of the four characters. The fourth one, the thing. I love the thing. Ben Graham is probably my favorite character of the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. but he's he's kind of what he is, you know. Correct. So like, I don't see any spice there, but maybe I could be wrong, and I would be happy to be proven wrong. Um, when thing eventually comes out in 2056, after people forget to keep asking about the Fantastic Four and Doom. Yeah. Um, trench coat and hat or no? So I would personally want a trench coat and hat, but I think we're going to get the like the hot shorts version. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yep. I don't actually like I like classic thing a lot where he's just, you know, he's he's got his little, you know, he's got the drawers on and that's it. But I think actually what we'll end up getting 
is with the pants and the boots version. Mm-hmm. I just really dig the the future foundation setup, like the white outfits that people oh. had. I kind of liked those. Oh yeah, I, I can tell you right now, I will probably buy two boxes, and I will probably paint one in regular and one in future foundation. I don't paint, Tim. You know this. <laughs> Same. <laughs> You know, but like if there's characters that I'm stoked to paint, it's those. And especially Ben Grimm, I think I can bang out a Ben Grimm pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, it's yep. just, you know, contrast will be your friend there. Speed paints for shoot, sure. Even that, just find a brown you like, paint it on there, slap it with some Agrex Earthshade, done and done. Yep. So, yep. you know, anyways, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, I would, man, I would love a trench coat if I'm being honest with you. Or we could go super deep cut. And go with helmet version. Ooh. Yeah. So there was a time in the comics where Ben Grimm is like, he, he had like a, a hole or it's like his, his rocks weren't as strong at one point. So Reed made him like this special helmet that he had. And like having the helmet version of the thing would be kind of cool. Just, just Google the thing Fantastic Four helmet and you'll see what I'm talking about. It looks pretty cool actually. So. so somewhat of a deep cut too. We've already talked about the, the comic series, but um, I will also probably buy another th- a box with a thing in it. Uh, you know, if he's solo and, you know, another one of him or, or just whatever dual box he comes in, but to have the head to put on a wall, like he was like thing was in secret wars where he was the, uh, the barrier wall to doom's city. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just to have a huge wall terrain piece, like size five or something like that with a thing head directly in the middle. <laughs> I I want to see this. So I'm going to hold you to this now. Like when the thing releases, if I don't see you make that and share it on social media, I'm going to be very disappointed. That's uh, okay. Yep. We'll figure it out. Yep, we'll get it. started now. We'll just wait for that thing head to just put in there like the last infinity soon. There it is. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So, Merzane asks, will we see Tim at NashCon? Um, NashCon last year was one of the funnest experiences I've had as far as MCP stuff. Um, and I, I'm like 97% certain I'll be at NashCon. I very Sweet. much want to go back. Uh, absolutely loved it. And uh, just an incredibly great group of people down there. Yes, NashCon's wonderful. And I think there's still some tickets available. Like, uh, so... If you are interested in that, you can, uh, I, I'll try to, I'll, you know what, I'll include a link in the description. So many links, so many descriptions, but uh, yeah, and if there are still tickets available, make sure to get those while they're hot, because I do think it's going to sell out. Uh, I do too, the if it launch, hasn't already. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Um, I, I don't know, uh, I can look maybe, but uh, the launch window for it was super weird, like it launched at like a midnight time, randomly. And yeah. yeah, like last year, the tickets went within four hours, I think. And I think it's because it launched in the middle of the day, but whatever. Go check it out. It's a great time, like Tim said. So Dojo DC asks, and I think these are very good questions here. Do you think that price tag on special boxes like Weapon X and the new Wakanda set is going to keep those characters from seeing more play? Mm. So I'm going to start with that one. He asked actually three questions here. I want to start with that. So I, I do think, you know, with anything that's cost prohibitive, um, I do think that it'll see a reduction in uh, those characters being played. However, um, I think one important thing 
for MCP, especially as compared to others, many, other minigames, is that the terrain is, in fact, a very important character and influences the game heavily. Um, I really like that they're coming out with new terrain. I am on the fence on whether it's the best way to do it, but, you know, there does need to be a diversity in there. Locking some characters behind that paywall. Listen, we saw it with Thanos, and we saw Thanos everywhere. Um, Malekith was an expensive box just for him, and Malekith is everywhere. Um, it's one of those things, right? It's it's a uh, it's a toss-up. You, you kind of got to plan yeah. your hobby dollars around certain things, and I, I personally really want more terrain in this game. Uh, they've done an incredible job so far, um, but being able to do different scenarios, and especially if they're going to be adding rules to terrain, I think it's still a value especially for what you get in those boxes. I think the core box uh, with all the terrain and the characters and cards is still an incredible value for the cost, especially when comparing it to other games. Um, but yeah, I don't disagree that it probably does reduce the amount of times that we'll be seeing some characters. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of agree with everything you said there in that more official terrain equals better. I think that is a, a very good thing for the game. I think that Wakanda terrain looks, to put it bluntly, dope. So, <laughs> you know, you like what I did there? I did. Yeah. So I, I really like that. And then the idea of adding certain rules features, I'm very curious and interested to see how that is going to play out because I feel like that that's, I, I don't know, like rules around the terrain, adding a threat value potential, like that's just like phew, mind blown. How are they even going to accomplish this? Can't wait to see it. And I think it's one of those things, right, where they did make it very clear that they're optional rules. But I think they've done such a great job kind of introducing some mechanics kind of uh, in, a, in a minor way at first, seeing kind of how... It gets play tested and how the community reacts and then kind of being able to expand on it later. Um, I, I really we saw that kind of with the convocation uh, affiliation card, right, where you can kind of have uh, some versatile um, affiliation roster building. Mm -hmm. Now we've seen it with uh, Black Order. Maybe Black Order was first, but and Hellfire Club. And those are really neat. They don't overdo it, which I feel is super important. You don't want every affiliation to come out to be absolutely, you know, just a tactics card. But Convocation kind of has a sweet spot. It's special for them. It doesn't cost a card for them. It does for everyone else. That's why it's special for Wizards. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with terrain. I'm always looking for new game types. I think they've knocked it out of the park with organized play kits and a lot of these special events. Like um, I loved Renewal of Vows and um, the the summer kind of league systems that they did. There was um, the Doctor Strange versus the Empiricruel. Is uh -huh. that it? Um, and empirical, those, I think empirical yeah. Yeah, I think they've killed it with those. Um, I'm excited to see kind of those maybe get brought into the game as a broader format um, with those terrain uh, features. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. Once again, it's optional. You don't have to play it. Yeah. But more formats equals more better. Yes, and look, I, I want more Doctor Strange versus Empirical because that's probably one of my favorite Doctor Strange storylines. I've, I've mentioned it on this podcast many times. It's the last days of magic. Super good. Check it out. Jason Aaron crushed it. Do it. It's awesome. But back to the question here, because I do think it's important to levy criticism where it's due. And 
when it relates to Weapon X, and I'm sure the Wakanda set, look at all that plastic. It's going to be 100 bucks at least. And I think that it makes sense from a business perspective to have things like that. What made the first Rivals so nice was that I can buy this Rivals pack that's Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus, and I get some new sculpts. They look cool. I get some alt art. Like, that's cool. But it's not a required purchase for those characters. Whereas Weapon X, and I'm going to assume Wakanda, if you want to play Logan and Sabretooth, and you want to play new T'Challa and new Killmonger, you have to shell out those dollars. For someone like me, who, while I'm glad there's more terrain coming, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna paint that terrain. I'm just not. And if I even build it, like I still have my uh, Dormammu terrain that I've never built because I'm probably not gonna. And that's okay. But putting that paywall of this giant piece of terrain to just even get these characters, it's again I get the business aspect of it. But maybe release a box down the line that has Logan and Sabretooth in it. And maybe they will. Like, we obviously yeah. don't know. But, like, if you give me those characters for 40 bucks, I'm more than happy with it. But having to pay $100 to get a piece of plastic that I'm never going to use, uh, you know. And that's the thing. I do think that, like, realistically... I would be surprised if we don't see affiliation boxes like for Weapon X down the line that comes with Logan, Sabretooth, uh, X-23, and Honey Badger. Yeah. Um, and, and those are just kind of starting to happen, right? Where we're getting some updates potentially maybe on the Spider-Man card and Web Warriors. And they're, you know, they are, they are doing that. So I guess I wouldn't be shocked if we saw affiliation packs like that, especially including things from kind of these bigger terrain releases. Um, as long as they do that, I'm super okay with it, but I I really think they should be doing that. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And that's just it. It's like I I trust AMG because they've not let me down more or less other than not having Fantastic Four out yet. They they have not let me down more or less with most characters and how this game is gone and all of that stuff. But it's it's definitely and, and I feel like another aspect of this is Logan, when you look at the internet conversation and in talking to people that have those boxes that play those characters, Logan and Apex Predator are pretty freaking good characters. So again, it's that, that paywall of saying, okay, well, these characters are pretty darn good. So, you know, and look, Immortal Hulk is pretty darn good. MODOK, pretty darn good. They're their own own costs, right? Uh, Emma and Psylocke, pretty darn good characters, and they have their own costs associated with it, but it's just that like little bit more, and especially as you approach the triple digits, that's where things can get a little spicy. Yeah, and, and the Weapon X thing kind of sat right on that line, right, of that 99.99, because um, I do think that triple digit is kind of a huge break point. Yeah. Um, but... Then again, it's one of those things, right? And I hate to, to to say this, but sometimes you always want to support your LGS, right? Absolutely. Um, and then 
there are times where just because of cost reasons, you do have to go to a wholesaler or um, or Amazon or something like that, where usually they are a little bit less expensive. Mm-hmm. A lot of local game stores are usually willing to work with you or offer online discount codes or something like that. And that certainly takes a lot of that heat off there. Um, but yeah, at the, at the end of the day, you got to do what's fiscally responsible for yourself. Exactly. Um, but there there are ways to do it. Sometimes they just might not feel great. Yeah, that's that's just it. And for some context here, as someone who pretty much buys everything, and just so I don't sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, I did buy all of the Sentinels, right? And if you look at the two Sentinels plus Sentinel Prime, that's more than the cost of the Weapon Xbox. Now, I think that the difference in this and with with the these characters versus the Weapon Xbox is it's all gameplay content. It's all models that I can put on the tabletop versus a big piece of terrain and two characters that I can utilize. But the context is that I'm still spending more than what the Weapon Xbox is, but you know, the Weapon Xbox is the one box I don't have, like that I have not actually gone out to purchase. Like I've played it in other places and and whatnot, and I've got some friends that have those characters, but I don't actually have that box, and it's one that I I want, but I'm not willing to go out and buy it right now. One, because there's enough other characters that I like. Two, I I prefer gameplay content. So, you know, teach their own, though. And, and it really is, especially with a hobby game, right? Because you have uh, people that are in CP that don't play the game at all, and they are into it exclusively for the hobby aspect mm-hmm. and it's that's that's a balance it can't be everything to everyone um but it's also and they gg actually had a really good video about this about you don't need to buy every character that comes out yeah absolutely um buy buy what you want don't feel pressured to buy every single thing because quite honestly if you if you are selective with where your hobby dollars are going um you can kind of prevent some burnout Right, where if you feel like you have to buy everything that comes out, listen, it, it's awesome and it's dope. I do it, but I'm also getting to that point where I'm like, you know, the odds of me playing this, Dan also is going to buy it. Maybe we don't both don't need to get it. Yeah, but it's 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 one of those things where you know, just just be reasonable, yeah. and uh, it'll kind of sort itself out for the most part. But yeah, if you're not going to play Sentinels. You don't need all the Sentinels. Exactly. Just need Sentinel Prime. He's just, daddy, and he's yeah. the best one. He is the best but, one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just one of those things, and I think if any people have come from other minis games too, uh, very similar uh, dialogue around you know Warhammer or AOS or Infinity, kind of a lot of those things where you know you really don't need everything. And I think the open format of MCP is really cool in that you can, in fact, utilize everything. You're not just buying one army or uh-huh. one squad, and you're locked into that, and it's got a huge expense to get into another one. MCP is pretty freeform, and that should both be um, expansive and helpful as far as what you want to buy, because you don't have to buy everything. You can, in fact, use nearly anything with anything else in this game, and that's awesome. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the benefits of it, got to say. So Dojo DC has two other questions kind of specifically focused on on what you do 
what are your do's and don'ts when streaming slash commentating games? And I'm going to let you answer that in just a second. But I know for me, it's don't drop F-bombs because that's yep. like the one thing that I do a lot of. Like <laughs> uh, people that meet me in real life will realize that I, I, I have, I say words, I say things and I do stuff. And I have a quota of F-bombs I'm allowed to drop in an event that, you know, it's, it exists, it happens, it's a thing. <laughs> that is a huge one, right? So when you're trying to, like, effectively for what our goal is, is just to be able to provide uh, that con experience or people that can't make it or, or can't uh, afford the travel or, or can't physically travel or whatever whatever it is, if you can't go to that con, we're trying to bring as much as we can of that con to you. Um, so our rules are in our do's and don'ts is we need to make this available for everyone. We don't mm-hmm. want to limit it in any particular way. If it's, if it's language or, um, content type, you know, a lot of people play this game with their kids, um, yeah. or with their families or their partners or, or what have you, in addition to at their LGSs and when they're friends. So we tried to keep the content accessible as, as much as possible. So the F-bomb thing is absolutely spot on. Um, we try to do our best, and this is what we have Taylor for, and I'm so thankful we have Taylor. Um, we also don't want to interrupt or interfere with the game, right, while we're commentating. But um, MCP is a game where characters have multiple abilities, there's tactics cards use, you need to know what's going on. But if you're too close and you're commentating on it, you're talking about you know potential abilities and things that they could use, you also under no circumstance can have the players hear you. So we have Taylor, who stands right next to the players at the table, confirms what they're doing, and then relays that information to us so we can kind of be up to date as far as what's going on while also not having our sound overflow onto the table or onto the con floor. Usually cons are incredibly loud, and it's not a huge problem, but when uh, you get down to the, the, those top cuts or those final fours or, or whatever it is, you just need to be incredibly um, aware of how you're projecting and, and things yeah. like that. In addition to that, just try to make the stream uh, as pointed as possible. You don't need to overkill it with all sorts of extra effects and overlays and things. It's If you look around at battle reports and what people are responsive to and what they like, um, it's normally just kind of that one shot, right, of the whole table. They can kind of see everything. Um, maybe mixing around a top-down or something like that, but it's really pretty straightforward. Uh, I think a lot of people overcomplicate it in their head. But um, And then just be constant, constantly talking. You don't want silence. Yeah, Those are kind of the, the do's and the don'ts. Don't swear. Make it as best the best quality you can reasonably, and uh, don't affect the game. Yeah, uh, that, that one, the don't affect the game part of it. Like at Adepticon, it was, I didn't hear a word you guys were saying with the commentary game, but at NashCon, the way it was set up last year, it definitely, like I almost felt like I had to whisper because we were right next to the table. Correct. Yep. And that's one of those things, right? Where uh, uh, we learned a lot from NashCon this past year between the the internet that was available at the con and and a number of other things. And, um, you know, uh, taking taking your licks sometimes and uh, and learning from it is is uh, a good lesson to have. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, Dojo DC has one last question here as part of this. And just quick and dirty, what do I need to start a halfway decent stream? And what advice would you give to people who are just starting 
streaming games. And again, I'm going to add a little bit of a caveat to this. I don't know if Dojo means like IRL streams like you guys do or on video streams or like uh, the, the TTS online streaming. So that's kind of two different things. So just take it from your perspective there with the, uh, the real life streaming. Yeah, so really it's, it's not as much as, like I said, I think it's less than a lot of people think. Uh, really, you need a microphone, you need one, preferably two people. Don't have more than two people. It gets really convoluted quickly with people over talking and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but two people that have a good chemistry or just someone that you like to talk to uh, is, is great. And uh, yeah, uh, really any webcam will do. Um, there's, there's a bunch of options out there. We use Logitech Brios. The price has come down pretty considerably on those. You can find them uh, refurbished as well. I would highly recommend getting refurbished equipment. Um, it's normally warranted and guaranteed. Uh, but yeah, single camera and a microphone is really it in addition to your, your laptop or your computer or whatever you're going to be using to stream on. Yeah. Um, one big thing that was a learning curve for us was moderating the bitrate. Uh, that we were streaming at mm. every con or every local game store has different internet and just getting used to the quality that you can stream based off the internet you have is very important um and it is not a bad thing to just turn down the resolution on your webcam um because the internet's not going to support you streaming that it makes really you're looking for consistency uh, yeah. and there's a bunch of, of guides and stuff on youtube to kind of find out you know this bit rate for this internet speed, doing speed tests. And that's kind of the, the big thing about it. Lots of trial and error, I can imagine. Correct. Yep. So Leland says, choose one character you feel needs an adjustment. What is that adjustment? I'm going to let you take this one first. Uh, Cyclops. And just more good. I really like Cyclops a lot as far as an adjustment. Uh, maybe tweaking the, the cost of some of his powers would make him a little bit more efficient, um, especially field uh, leader. Yeah. Um, that just being a single point less would really put him in a really decent spot. Um, and then I, I don't like concussive. Uh, it, it feels bad. Um, changing that to per wild instead of just one or something, but there, there's a tweak there for it. And then changing the affiliation ability just to ha have either another small effect similar to Storm's uh, to kind of complement what he already has or um, rework the uh, affiliation ability to be similar to Avengers, but on spenders. Yeah. Yeah. The Cyclops more good. Yes. The answer he's not is awful, yes. right? But he, he needs, he needs a little, he needs a little pat. Well, yeah, no, he's certainly not awful, but he, he just, yeah, just a little love, just a little tweak. That's all it takes. Just a teensy bit of tweaking. And Cyclops is uh, right where he needs to be. Now, for me, there are a myriad of characters out there that I think could use a look at, right? Like, we, I'll throw out a couple. Colossus, Cable, Dormammu, plenty of characters. However, I've got one that's close to my heart, Tim. It's real close to my heart. Play this guy all the time. And that's Baron Mordo. Oh, okay. All right. And there's one specific thing on Baron Mordo's card that absolutely needs to change. Like, I don't mind that he only has four dice attacks 
as his two main attacks. Like, I don't love that. I wish one of them was a little bit higher on the dice count. But at the same time, that's okay. I'm, I'm not too worried about that, right? Ferocity of Sidrak, great superpower. Master of the Occult, being able to gain two power, great superpower. But mother freaking soul barb. Okay? I can't tell you how many times I've been in a game and I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I finally get to use soul barb? Do I actually get to pull this superpower off? Please, for the love of God. So let me read you Soul Barb, Tim, and I'll tell you why I think this needs to change. Soul Barb is an active superpower. It's going to cost you two power. Choose an enemy character within range three of this character with one or more of the following special conditions. X, incinerate, poison, or slow. Choose one of these special conditions on that character. Each enemy character within range two of the chosen character gains the chosen special condition. So did you notice, Tim, and when I read that, it doesn't say that I get to apply those conditions. I have to target someone that already has it, and then I get to spread it around. Mm -hmm. So this superpower needs the ability to apply one of those conditions. It needs an or clause, whereas, so you can't do both on the same turn. So like, let's say I target your... X-23 with this superpower, and I want to hex her. So I can say, okay, for two power, you're hexed. I can't then spread it to other people on that same turn, but I think that being able to apply the special condition and then subsequently spread it around later is what this superpower needs. Because you know how many times I've used this? Zero. And okay, I so I've used it once, but I've played them a bunch. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I don't I don't disagree there that um you know I, I've run them in Hydra and uh that I did really like. That's the one time I got it off and I applied yeah. incinerate and I think poison to like a huge group of people and I was like, yo, this is awesome. But this is the only time it's ever worked. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. And for me, when I look at a character like Pyro, who you can argue is over the curve a little bit, whatever you want to say, but Let's not talk about Pyro's power level, but when you look at something like Firewall, right? For two power, I can put two conditions on somebody. Whereas Mordo, for two power, can't even put the condition on someone. He's got to like, they've got to already have it, and then he can mess with it. Yeah. So, look, there's, there's a lot of characters that take way more priority than Baron Mordo, but the question is, one character that you feel needs an adjustment, and what is that adjustment? This is it right here for me. Yeah, so, yeah I don't hate that, man. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, I've thought of, clearly I've thought about this for a long time, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tarquin Sweet Biscuits, which character is in the greatest need of a resculpt with a motorcycle? All right, so a lot of people might think out of the gate, I'm going to say Wolverine. That's wrong. Wolverine always steals Cyclops' motorbike. I want Cyclops on a motorbike because it's his motorbike. Yes, actually, 100%. You know, Wolverine just gets mad, and he storms off, and he always takes Cyclops' motorbike. He never gets to use his own motorbike. And then the Weapon Xbox comes with a motorbike. <laughs> Which I found to be kind of funny and ironic, too. <laughs> <laughs> Should have come with a Jeep. You know, we right. all... 
we all remember the X-Jeep from the cartoon and, and the yeah. toy that, like, the front of it would fold open and have, like, little Wolverine claws coming out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's see. Uh, we're not going to be able to get to all of these because we are running long. But uh, we got one from Nate here. It says, for Tim, do you enjoy or hate social deduction games at cons and why? I love social deduction games. Uh, playing some of those last year at NashCon uh, with Merzane, who I absolutely adore, um, and, and others. And Rob was, was awesome. Well, one of my, my favorite times from that con. I hate playing social deduction games with Nate GG. <laughs> he is such a nice dude. And I always want to trust him, but he always stabs me, usually in the face. I'm not even turned around in those games. <laughs> um, and I just, I cannot read him at all, at all. Um, at uh, Adepticon, we played Night of the Ninja uh, oh, yeah. after one of the nights, and that was also super fun. Uh, that just group of people is just really awesome. I really liked them a lot. Um, but once again, Nate just right there with a knife in my face every time, and I could never see it coming. He's just so nice. I wouldn't expect it. He is. He is. Yeah, he's he's the best person to play those games with, but also the worst person to play those games with. Because, like, someone like me, you can kind of see it coming in a lot of ways. But, like, Nate, it's just, like, out of nowhere, off the top rope. He's doing, like, the John can, Cena, you can't see me, and then you're dead. Yeah. And then you feel bad when you don't trust him and you're wrong. It's like, oh, well, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I just, you, nuts. Ah, nuts. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's exactly it. So the next question we have here is from Barncat. He says, when's the league starting I'd like to play? And Barncat, and to everybody out there, we've had a few people join on the Patreon because I have mentioned before that we're doing this Patreon-only league. And yeah, that's going to be starting up next week. So when this episode drops along with it in the house party protocol discord you will have all the information you need and everything will be be in one nice little place i'll make sure to add everybody and all that stuff so if you're interested in playing in a house party protocol marvel crisis protocol league you can come over to the discord and join us over there and we'll be jumping in and having a great time and uh yeah i i really can't wait to do that and our final question Tim is one for you, and it's from Merzane. Says, "What would it take to make Tim a casual professional?" That's actually my secret, Merzane. I'm always a casual professional. <laughs> I've never actually been a professional casual. There you go. There you go. So, Tim, I gotta say, thank you so much for joining me on this journey of podcast fun timeness, and I I know <laughs> what's gonna happen. I'm going to hit end of this record and we're going to get cards. So I'm sorry, Suits, that we didn't get cards, but I hope you've enjoyed this. I've had a great time chatting with you, Tim, and I hope you've had a nice time as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, like I said, you're one of my favorite people to run into out there in the wild. So I'm, I'm glad we finally got the opportunity to do this. Heck yeah. And uh, where can people find you? Uh, so professionalcasual.com is certainly the easiest place. Um, also on Facebook, uh, but uh, at, uh, I think facebook.com just slash professionalcasual. And the Twitch, uh, Professional Casual Network on Twitch. Um, we stream daily uh, hobby hangouts, um, MCP battle reports, and then uh, Wait Did I Roll a Wild is our MCP 
uh, podcast that we stream live on Thursdays. Um, in addition to all that, we do actual plays for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and Pathfinder 2nd Edition and a whole bunch of other games and, and goodness. And ProfessionalCasual.com is kind of the one one place you can kind of go for all of that because there's, there's, there's a lot there. Oh, definitely. And I, I love all of the MCP content. I in, I've dipped my toes into the other content. But, you know, that's the thing I love about what you guys do is that you got a little bit of something for everybody. And I really appreciate that and all the hard work that goes into that. So make sure to go give Tim and the professional casual some love, subscribe, all of that stuff. And uh, if you are catching any of the streams, don't forget if you're an Amazon prime member, you get like one free sub through Amazon prime, throw it their way. I that's, that's what I would do. I think that's what I've done. I, I don't even know. I'll have to go check. But either way, I really appreciate it. Do the thing and the stuff. That's the way I look at it, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, suits. Don't forget, we're doing a giveaway right now. We're going to be giving away a Hulk and Modok Scientist Supreme box. I say Hulk, Immortal Hulk and Scientist Supreme box. So go check that out. There is a uh, Facebook. It's the pin post on the House Party Protocol Facebook page. You can send us messages with the secret code word, which, like I said earlier, it's dope. The secret code word is dope because, you know, it just this is dope. It's just dope. Yeah. And uh, so send a secret code word there. You can send me messages at HPP underscore will on all of the main discords out there that are around AMG and MCP. Or you can uh, send me messages on Facebook. If I haven't gotten back to you yet on Facebook, have no fear. I will be getting back to you. I've just been a little busy trying to get everything squared away and whatnot. But uh, I'll be getting back to everybody soon on that. So, yeah, send me messages, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. And uh, also, we're going to be doing uh, some Shatterpoint content at some point in the future. But I'll have more details on that later. And uh, if you are... I've had a few people reach out about whether or not they wanted some Shatterpoint content. I think we're going to split that off from the House Party Protocol proper, keep this MCP, let Shatterpoint be its own thing, but I'll let everybody know that when it happens, uh, if it happens, and uh, stay tuned right here for more fun stuff coming up. I've got some new shirt designs coming out that will be ready in time for NashCon. Hopefully, we'll get some dice ready and uh, everything, and, and it's going to be, be a good time, and uh, yeah, I think, that, I think I've covered everything. Oh, yeah. Battle Kiwi, make sure to check out BattleKiwi.com and their battle boxes are great. I love mine. I took it with me to Adepticon. It came in handy big time. So go check them out with the promo code PARTYKIWI for 10% off your first order. And uh, now I think I've covered everything. And they actually don't sponsor the show. I just do that because I love the product. <laughs> and uh, yeah, with that, party on, Tim. Hey, party on, Will. And power down suits. Suits.